time, bro. All right, are we going to go? All right, we... guys, Mark, we're live. We're live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff. Uh, after hours, my name is Mark DeMeo. I'm here with my co-host, and uh, he's my partner in all things law enforcement, Bill Cannon. Hi, Bill. Hey, what's going on? I was a little nervous. Scott got here late, man. And, <laughs> you know, there's no car, there's no traffic. It's a lot of rain, but shit. A lot of rain. A lot of rain. <laughs> So today we have, we're, 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 uh, we're doubling up on our guests. We have a special episode for everybody. We have two guests. One of our guests uh, is returning for his second, uh, third time now. He was on his own episodes. Then he came to our uh, live comedy show. He sat with us there and he's back right. tonight. He's, What's up, he's Scott? A frequent, he's a frequent flyer. This is his third time. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, Scott? How are you? How are you guys? Pleasure to see you all. It's been a long time. Where are you? I'm in Brooklyn in my house. Oh, okay. All right. I'm in you my know, kitchen, Manhattan, actually. Manhattan makes it and Brooklyn takes it. You got it. There Brooklyn. you go. Brooklyn. And, uh, we have another guest today. He's our, it's our first time on for our next guest. His name is Bill Ryan. He's a retired NYPD cop. The last 13 years he did uh, on the uh, NYPD, he worked in arson and explosion. That's a pretty interesting unit to work in. And after that, he retired and he became a private eye. Um, he's got a, a long history in theater and in comedy, and um, he's, he's starting to write now. Uh, his, his boss used to be Peter J. Franzo, uh, Bill. He's and, watching uh, now. Pete's okay. watching. Another one of our guests, a legendary guest. Pete's always watching. So, uh, so welcome, everybody. Welcome. Nice to meet you, Bill. <laughs> Thanks for having well, I you're talking to My me. My pleasure. No, I know you. I'm talking to... Bill Ryan. Bill Ryan. I'm sure we've crossed paths at some point in time because we're contemporaries, but we never met face to face. We've been friends on LinkedIn all the time. Well, technically, yeah, 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 it's a funny thing. I mean, there's, there's so many guys on these pages that you're friends with for years on internet and you never met. I've never met Mark and I've never met Bill Cannon. Well, Bill was my boss for a while. So, it's, you know, it's a small world. The two, three, yeah. So these guys are both Mark, both Scotty and Bill Ryan are uh, anti-crime warriors, from uh, contemporary warriors. And I thought that would be one of the big topics we speak about tonight, since the uh, it's got to be going on at least a week, going on two weeks, that the NYPD decided in their infinite wisdom, I'm sure they did, it wasn't their idea, it was the mayor's idea, to get rid of anti-crime. And I think we have two excellent guests to talk about the ramifications of uh, such a horrendous policy. You no, know, it's terrible. Well, my, my feeling on it you is, know, I, 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 I'm sorry, I don't want to step on anybody, but the abolishment no, of the anti-crime is just telling, it's, it's like giving permission to every perp on the street, go carry a gun. Because the anti-crime cops are the gun cops. And, and the street guys know this. So, I mean, we've had a 200% uptick in shootings in this month alone. And it, there's no end in sight. We've had over, you know, 119 or 125 shootings, you know, with I think uh, 80, 83 hits, you know, in, in this month alone. And that's 200% over last year at this same time. And, and what does that tell you? It was a bad what, what does it tell you, Scott? Tell me. I, I don't know. It, tell, it, it tells me that, 
you know, the PC, the mayor, gave the okay to go shoot it up. And between the proliferation of fireworks that are masking the gunshots, you know, it, it's it's out of control. It's totally out of control. You know, every day, it, it, I mean, we're, we're turning into what? what Chicago has become. We're going back to 1996 numbers. What do you think, Bill? Bill, um... Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Bill 1, Bill 2. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I believe anti-crime certainly uh, is, is a tremendous program. Uh, I think what we're going to see is much like after the NAP Commission, where you had cops who were afraid to do anything with narcotics enforcement. And what ended up happening is you had a generation of cops who weren't locking guys up selling drugs. So the drugs grew until they started having the TNTs in the 80s and the 90s. And I, I think you're going to start seeing that with guns now. People are going to be less afraid because they're seeing there's no one being caught. And I don't disagree with Scott that, it, you know, it, it, the marching orders are coming from the mayor. But I mean, just something to consider. Um, you know, and, and it's, I that I'm, I'm friends with uh, Shay because I'm not or, or uh, Terry Monahan. I mean, I don't know these guys other than who they are. But I mean, if I'm Shay, maybe I'm going to sit back and say, you know what? They're not prosecuting anybody we're locking up. If these guys are out there and they're using any kind of force or any kind of aggression, you know, they're kind of being held accountable and, and to a level that really is, is, is not ever been seen before. It's not even reasonable. So maybe they're trying to protect the, you know what, here's how we do this. We put everybody in the bag and unfortunately everybody becomes a report taker and you don't have active guys out there. And it's a shame because guys are retiring and once that skill is gone, you know, Who's going to be there to teach it? I mean, when I went to, to the great street crime unit in the 80s, I had guys that taught me. I thought I was hot till I got there and I saw what hot was. And, uh, you know, you're not going to have guys that have that skill in you. It's, you know, it's like any skill. If you don't practice it and pass it on, it's not going to be there. And you've got generations of cops that are, are just not going to know how to do that again. And, uh, you know, there's not bosses out there to teach it. I mean, I had people like Pete Branzo to show me how to do things and how to handle people. Um, once that knowledge is gone, it's not coming back. But, uh, you know, I'm worried about it. I live in the city. I live in the Bronx. Uh, you know, I, I don't like seeing this, but, you know, I, I think that it's the new reality that we're going to have to deal with. I'm it. in the Bronx too, man. We got to hang out. <laughs> well, my, yeah. my opinion on this also Say is I was, in, I was in anti-crime for six years, from 82 to 88. And the skills that I attained in anti-crime. Anti-crime to me is the minor leagues for the detective bureau. I've never worked with one detective in my entire career that did not do a stint in a precinct anti-crime or street crime. And well, you know what I did, and they skills. all <laughs> that's where you learn your interview skills, that's where you learn to develop CIs, that's where you learn to talk to people, that's where you learn to, to watch people, that's where you learn all of the instincts you need to be a, a good investigator. And now with all the old timers who are there, who, you know, no one is going to stay at 20. Now the writing's on the wall. I mean, it's almost 300 guys just put in their papers as soon as they hit their 20th anniversary. No yeah, one's staying you know. anymore the new guys. So where are the new detectives supposed to get you know, their, their street smarts, their, you know, their qualities 
to become an investigator. What were you going to say, Billy Ryan? What was Billy Ryan going to say? You know, I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, one of the things like, you know, my, my first day as a retired member of the department was teaching interview and interrogation at the police academy. You know, I was a friend of, of Tom Nerney, who uh, the late Tom Nerney, great uh, retired first grader. Great from the, guy, great Major K squad. And uh, I was best, the salt of the earth. Um, he was kind of a mentor to me and he had me, uh, I was kind of his substitute teacher during the interview and interrogation classes they would give in the academy. And I would do this on my time. I would come in ahead of time from work. I, it's funny, I could never get, even when I was on the job, I could never get the job to let me do it on job time. But it was important to me to teach that skill and pass it on. And uh, I, I think it's an underappreciated skill. I, I don't know why the de department doesn't spend time on it, even when you come into the detective bureau. But I, I think that, or at least I thought at that time they were going to start doing that, taking guys who retired, showing them things. I think, unfortunately, when you're retired, they can't say, we don't want you saying this. We don't want you saying this. Make it more right, like right. this. And, you know, I, I always tell the truth. I mean, hey, this is how you do it. Um, you know, I, I've taken tons of statements. I, I'm very proud that I've never had a statement in my whole career suppressed. Um, you know, it, it, it's 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 probably you know I'm not a great driver. I think it would work with me. I can't drive. I can kind of shoot, but the only thing I can do is I can talk to people and, and take good statements. That's kind of where I had my both success. Guys, but, uh, like the anti-crime work, no one's teaching. You, you know, one of the things I just sorry, Mark. if I could just interject something for people that aren't cops that are listening to this show. One of the things that anti-crime has that is such an advantage is the stealthness of being in plain clothes, of being in an unmarked car and being able to observe before you move in like a lion moving in for the kill because you're able to observe. I did six and a half years in anti-crime, three and a half as a cop and three as a sergeant. And those observation skills become keener and keener as you do it. All you do is eight hours a day is observe, watch people, how they move, how they talk. Hey, is someone disrespecting someone? Look at their face, look at the way, you know, look at their waistband. All of those things you learn in anti-crime, those are skills that are going to go out the window. Well, once again, when I went into crime, you know, and this is in back in the 80s, 82, uh, we used to grab at least four guns a week. And that's in the, in, in the early 80s. Now, you can imagine what's out there now with the proliferation of firearms compared to then. You know, and I worked... My, my whole anti-crime career in Manhattan North, the confines of the 2-3, the 2-5, the 2-8, the 2-4, you know? And uh, I ran into you when you were in crime in the 2-4 and I was in crime. Uh, I mean, again, we took, it, it, it wasn't a complete week unless we got at least three or four guns. You know, Scotty, there was a perfect anti-crime um, potential collar in Brooklyn the other day, but instead it was a double murder. Exactly. With a long yes. overcoat in the hot weather with a rifle concealed under it, and he executed two people on a stoop. In broad daylight, noon. At 12 noon, yeah. That's a perfect like crime call, right? Perfect. But again, I have a son who's, who's on the job, my oldest. He's in Brooklyn North. And, um, you know, I can't even, he asks me questions. I can't even give him answers. Uh, you know, he, I tell him, unless right now, the way things are, unless it's a cop calling for help, go balls to the wall. 
Otherwise, just drive, arrive, arrive safe. You're gonna Get be a, they're gonna turn them into report takers. That's what well, they're gonna be. Unfortunately, that's what they have to do unless they're actually yeah. sitting in a location and they observe, you know, a gunfight right in front of them. How yeah. else are they gonna, you know, it, there's no more jump jumping anybody. There's no more jumping out. Even right. in uniform, we used to do observation. We used to park and just watch people. You know, I don't I you know, and also the visibility, you don't know how many robberies you prevented just by being out there. Right. You know? Because all the Absolutely. all the knew who the anti-crime guys were, they all knew the cars, the cabs, they knew we were out there, and yet they were in fear of us. So where was the guns? The guns were on the car tires, the guns were in the bushes, the guns were in mailboxes. Wasn't so many times that the guns were on the persons. Right. You observe someone, you'd watch for the overt gesture, and again, there came in stop, question, and frisk. You saw that overt gesture, gave you reasonable suspicion. Then you went up to the guy, saw the bulge, you patted him, you frisked him for your safety, bang, gun cop. All right, so we all know what's going on here right now. They got they got rid of the anti-crime. So that leaves us with this. Why? Billy, why what Billy Ryan, why do you think they, they did this? I, I, Give me your best conspiracy theories. Theory. Well, you're coming to the right guy. I've got a couple, but I mean, you know, I, I'm kind of torn. One side of it is like, like I said a little while ago. You know, maybe this is the department saying, you know what, guys going out there being aggressive, taking the guns, they're getting jammed up. The DAs aren't prosecuting the cases. With bail reform, no one's staying in. Why put our guys in positions to have to make those collars? You know, you think it's actually the job. That's that at least I think, you think the something job to consider. Up. You think the job pulled it I, up? I think the, I think the job. These pulled guys. It up. I think it's a combination. I think the mayor, you know, suggested it maybe. I think the mayor wanted less violence from the police or less, uh, you know, aggressive policing, and uh, you know he's never had a roll around on the ground uh, trying to take a guy in and he's going to tell you about it. You don't think. Um, so? And I, this this could be the department trying to protect it. You know, okay, you don't want us to do this. You're not going to prosecute things. You're not going to back us. Okay, here's what we do. No more anti-crime. And now you don't have to worry about that anymore. Until your crime stats grow up and people start getting shot and people start no, getting killed. Great, really, then, really, that's a great, great theory. That is, I, 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 um, I love that theory, by the way. Um, so let's go. Let's keep going here. What, what's your uh, theory there, Scott? Well... The PC's own words were the reason why they abolished the anti-crime program was because of the amount of shootings that the anti-crime cops got into, as opposed to all of the rest of the department. Now, of course, they're going to be, you know, in more combat situations. Why? Because they're the gun cops. They're the ones who are going after the violent offenders, the robbers, the predators, okay? Which, which so, uh, obviously, which actually to... helps helps uh, Billy Ryan's argument there because yes, you're you know it, it's one of those things where if since we're in the middle of this whole um, department pandemic about shootings and stuff like that, why don't we try to minimize the amount of shootings we're getting in, and why not look at where the highest amount of police-involved shootings are coming from? And it's anti-crime. Let's just eliminate that. Um, all well, right. That, that's what they did. That's exactly what, what do you think? 
But you know something, you eliminate the amount of shootings that anti-crime gets in, you increase the amount of shootings that the community gets in. Because there's no one out Absolutely. there taking the guns away from the shooters. Absolutely. And, you know, the anti-crime is going to engage these shooters who are criminals. A lot of the, the guy who killed the, the, the double murder in Brooklyn, he, he just got out. He was on parole. He did 15 years upstate for shooting someone else. So you want him to shoot you know what, though, at a much higher rate and police don't get in that many shootings. You guys want to hear my thing? You know what, Bill? This is... Oh, this, go ahead, go ahead. Sure. No, go ahead, Billy. Well, I mean, I, I think I, I was a lifeguard for a while. And one of the things they teach you when you're a lifeguard is the guy is drowning and he's got the fight going in him. Sometimes you got to let him go under a little bit, take the fight out of him before you can rescue him. And I kind of think that this is going to be like that. Okay, uh, everybody's fighting. The city doesn't want us to do this. Don't be aggressive. Don't take them on the streets. Don't go into these communities to start problems. Okay, so we got to let him drown a little bit. When the fight comes out of him, it'll be, okay, lifeguard, come in and save me. I mean, and that's going to take a while. I don't know if it's going to be a year or five years or, or whatever, but I, I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, it, it's just, you know, anti-crime's not coming back. And I mean, it, it's just, you know, no one wants it, you know? I oh, mean, really, Ryan, that's and, a great, that's a you know, great. We're leaving the. But yeah. unfortunately, wait, wait, unfortunately. Give me a second, me a second Scott. We're going to be drowning in blood. Scott, Scott give me a second here. Um, Billy, that was great. That was great. And it adds to. Well, my theory Thanks. was what I wanted to tell you, which was um, I think we're going towards privatized policing. And I think that what happened in the city, um, basically, I think the municipalities all throughout these big cities, uh, they want to they want to rid themselves of this. this They want more freedom with the budget and the police and the jails that eat up a lot of budget. They want to be able to give this money away. Now, what happened in, this, in New York City, I mean, that's prime real estate, man. That went all over the world, okay? Those people are not gonna sit there and listen to businesses being destroyed underneath them. We're going towards privatized policing. Those people are gonna, at some point, hire in their own security. And this guy's already talking about cutting a, a, a billion dollars off the police budget after a weekend where he just had 40 shootings. So he's not paying attention to what's going on. He's looking towards the future, and the future is uh, making these people who can't afford it get their hire their own private security companies, and and get the policemen uh, police department down. The more security companies that you have, the less lawsuits you have against the city, the less pensions you have to pay out, the less uh, sick care you have to pay out. I tell you something right now: the department right now at thirty-five thousand will probably be twenty thousand within ten years. And an arrest of privatized security. But you know something? You know who's going to suffer? The poor people in the hood. The That's poor. who's going to suffer. Because <laughs> they the need to is we're going to be their police department. They we're going to, it's still going to be the NYPD, but we're only going to be handling the poor neighborhoods. Well, you know, they're talking about having social workers respond to some of these jobs. There's going to be a lot of dead social workers, you know, because you don't send a social worker. You know, a lot of times social workers will ask for a police escort. You know that, Scott. You know well, that, Bill, right? They that's ask for ACS. police escort. They're not going to go into the ACS right there. Yeah. Look at, all the, look at all the dead children because of ACS and their, you know, their incapability. So what did they do? ACS hired all retired detectives to yeah. teach the social workers how to investigate. And no, to I've, said, I've said this before. The most competent 
uh, arm of government is the police department. The rest of them are a bunch of retards, including Absolutely. the city council. You know, all these politicians, they're morons. And yeah. they just want more money. You know what? The, I, mayor, the mayor should, they should recall the mayor. He is a buffoon. Listen, I was talking to Bill about this, Bill, uh, my partner, Bill, the other day. And, you know, I'm part of a program in the academy that teaches um, uh, the in-service members how to uh, be able to detect mental illness. So we act out scenarios for them. Uh, Billy Ryan, you're an actor. You'd be, you know, you, you would definitely enjoy this. And part of the, the third part of that, uh, so they come in for training and they learn how to, uh, what's the difference between uh, mental, different type of mental illnesses, uh, dementia, um, you know, suicidal, bipolar, autism. And they watch, then in the afternoon, they watch the scenarios. And then the idea is supposed to be at some point that we're going to get clinicians, they're going to have like an EDB car. And any type of call that comes over the radio, let's say within um, Manhattan North, there'll be an EDP car and they would respond there with the clinician. But that part of the, uh, the program never really kind of took off yet. I don't know whether it was legalities figuring out are these people going to wear a vest? Are they going to sit somewhere until they're needed? Are they going to be driving around? I would imagine this is still a lot of, but that was the goal. Or who's going to take that job? Was already now, in may the I interject? May I interject on this? Yes, Scott. Come as, on. Give it to me, Scott. <laughs> as a former member of the hostage negotiation team, we were trained. And when we finished, when we completed our training, we were all given site, uh, titles as psychological emergency technicians. We all received certificates. Okay. And we, and the hostage negotiation course is a long, tough course, okay? It's, it's a very select group. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything. You gotta have at least five years as a detective. You have to be recommended by a negotiator. You go through an extensive interview process. Then you have to attend. When I attended, it was a two month course because you have to go through the whole ESU training. You go through the heavy weapons and then it was constant role play, role play, role play. Okay. And we were taught to recognize, again, certain individuals that had emotional problems versus actual perps versus people who were suicidal, things of that nature. Again, you can't expect, and again, we also did in service training three to four times a year. Plus, after any incident, we had an immediate, you know, breakdown. We, even if it was a 17-hour job, we had to have a debriefing right after it. Now, again, how can you expect cops to go through a one- or two-day course? And, and I'm not qualified. I don't feel qualified with all that training to, to look at someone and say, oh, he's a schizophrenic or he's bipolar, okay? I mean, we all, we, none of us can say that. And I have a certificate like to back it up in court. But that being said, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And we all know, politically correct, that's who can only make that determination. You can't put a cop through a two or three day course. And I'm not trying to knock your course, but I'm saying you can't put a cop through a two, three day course and expect him or her to make those decisions. You really hey, can't. Scott, you have a 10 bar? Oh, uh, yeah. You have a 10 bar? Sure. Can you tell when anyone is drunk? You can't. 
some, no, people, some people are completely functional. When I was a bartender, when someone walked in and I thought they were drunk, I would say, what, what would you like? And they would say, beer. And I'd say, what kind of beer? And then you go, a fucking Budweiser. I mean, get out. Get out. You know, because they were drunk. You? you don't want to serve someone <laughs> that's drunk because they become a bigger problem. But you know what I mean? The, the, the answer is you can't really tell. No, no. You know, I mean, look at I can never tell a market. When I was a trained bartender, I did some drinking too, you know? <laughs> Hey, Bill, hey uh, Scott, when you when you, you said you mentioned the role playing that you did in um, in the uh, in the hostage negotiate, what was the coolest outfit you had to put on? Did you ever have to do like a cowboy thing or? No, like, no, no. We we always were the negotiators. You guys, oh, okay. cowboy <laughs> in Times Square. I you know, thought you put on. I thought you put on, oh, thought you put on some leather chaps, and then you whip and you whip the guy into submission. We had a bunch of out-of-work stars and stuff who did the work for us. They got a scenario, we got a scenario. You never, you never put on the, you, the door. Ne you never put on the leather chaps and uh, and and nah, nah. somebody into submission. I saved that for home. <laughs> and hanging out with you. <laughs> We're doing role plays up there. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, there we go, man. Um, everybody has a theory, and I, you know, it's it's funny because I always like to think. Uh, like take a bird's eye view what's actually happening right now you know so it's interesting that we have we all have our theories but we all agree that uh you know crime is going to go up significantly and it already has the amount of shootings um and, and it's kind of ironic in a way because in a horrible way because you know all these things that we're doing right now with the protesting and stuff like that um once again we go back to the people that are hurt the most are the people of color in Chicago, um, it's just a, whatever area that is, man, they're, they're averaging 30, 40, uh, you know, 10 homicides a weekend, man. It's like insane. I mean, uh, when hasn't you, when was the last time Chicago wasn't like that? I mean, you know, this is not well, a new thing in know, Chicago. They removed, the, the problem with Chicago was, uh, from what I read, was that they removed, the, they, brought, they locked up all the crime lords hit it with the RICO Act, and then all these drug gangs got broken up, and all the fights, the continuous fights for leadership over there in that area of Chicago. That's what I heard. Sometimes taking out the bosses, um, it tends to backfire on you when there's that, uh, that, that, you know, everybody's fighting for power now. You know? Well, I was in, in, the in the 90s, in the heights, uh -huh. everyone, everyone was killing each other for the corner, you know? The corners, yeah. the corners, right? Well, that's that's what was going on during the crash. The heights were ridiculous. I mean, now it leaves us with this question: Where would you move to? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking around, uh, and uh, fin uh, Finland looks really nice right now. <laughs> I'm not so talking about moving to some other place yeah, the in the country. I, you know something? I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll but the commute's gonna this, kill you. This yeah, makes yeah. me. This, all of this makes me sad because, in the thirty years it took to lower crime seventy percent in New York City, they're gonna give it back in five. You know, and five. the city. Five. Less, less than five. Less than, than five. Less than five. five. Bill Ryan, you worked in Times Square back in the eighties, and you remember people used to just come to Times Square to commit crimes. Commit robberies, 
pickpockets. It, it was like a you know, run. It was nuts. And you know, it was funny. They used to do, and one of, one of the great ways they used to make uh, late night robbery collars is they would uh, go out to all, in front of all the stores after they closed down for the night and roll down the gates and they'd have canvases with things on it like Ain't No Smiling on Rikers Island and going to the that, yeah. to get paid. And guys, for that and they would and they would sit there posing with their guns and their money and take Polaroids and we just sit out there and watch them and they would take out there there's the thing here's my guns out gotcha finally great. we take the Polaroids finally the Midtown South CEO banned those pictures what what a great idea you know <laughs> and them taking pictures in front of those I wasn't happy about that <laughs> the poor entrepreneurs was, with those guns that way. I remember when yeah well when the uh, the first you know portable video cameras came out back in in the early 80s and what we did in, in my anti crime unit is one of the guys brought one in and it was the most amazing thing if you wanted to clear a corner all you had to do was stick that video camera out the window with the light and <laughs> It was amazing. I used to just do that like, with a radio and turn it sideways and the whole corner would be Exactly, there. exactly. So did I. You wanted to clear that corner, it was condition corrected. <laughs> and I loved doing that. It was, it was so funny. And But we used to do, you know, observations and we'd have vacant apartments or whatever. And we did do videotaping. We were ahead of our time, you know, on our own. Scotty. And we brought these videos to the DA interview. And then I always liked even right around. took the picture of a crowd after a homicide. Because chances oh, are, oh, always. I always had, you know, I always had the press when, they, especially the freelance guys. If I had a crime scene, show up. I'd ask the guy, do me a favor, just walk through the crowd with the cam, you know, with the, the camera on, the light off. That's all. Do me a favor, and then in exchange, I'd let him get a money shot. You know, pull the sheet back or whatever. Let well, him get his money pull, shot. And you pull a guy in later and he says, I wasn't even out there. You pull exactly. Says, yes, exactly. You and you'd be surprised what he'd walk through the crowd, what you'd hear them say. Yeah. They'd say, Oh, look what Johnny did. Yeah. You know, it was amazing. Pretty amazing. But we did that quite often. Billy Bryan, uh, since you're uh, into conspiracy theories, what do you think about the fact that um <laughs> You know, as far as the, the federal government not getting involved in uh, any of these these cities like Chicago or what was going on in Seattle with CHOP. And uh, do you think they're giving them enough rope to hang themselves? Uh, almost because I know they mentioned about making Antifa a terrorist group, but I think they might want to. Uh, they're waiting for a BLM to, to get a couple of homicides underneath their belt to join them. And then they'll make it a federal thing and they'll put them both underneath terrorist groups. Well, I, I you know, I, I think Antifa is a terrorist group. Uh, you know, BLM, no, you know, there's, I think there's a good part of it. In the, but uh, do, do I think they give them enough rope to hang themselves? You know, I mean, I, I think a little bit of it is, is payback. I think, you know, part of the federal government is saying, hey, you know, you're, you're democratic cities. You're, uh, you know, you won't do the things we ask you to do. Like uh, when they want, you know, they're, they're denying ICE access to courts. New York City is de de denying ICE access to even uh, New York State DMV records. And I think after a while when the federal government keeps getting no, no, no from these cities and the states, 
Rachel's like, okay, you guys want to handle it? Go handle it. And when you're drowning, like I said, you know, maybe then they'll come in and say, come help us. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you've, you've seen this. I guess it's, this is this the arson guy in me. But a great many of the arson arrests, these people who are getting arrested uh, for burning police cars and police vehicles and police stations, these are being made uh, by uh, ATF agents, FBI agents, in, in conjunction with some of the local guys. But, I mean, you see all these cases. They're going to federal court. They're not going to the state courts. Or at least yeah, I haven't seen yeah, one yeah. go to That's the state court That's what I'm talking yet. about, Billy. The two lawyers they locked That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, is it conspiracy theory? Look, every day if you look at the newspaper, or if you, not the newspaper, but if you're online, <laughs> who looks at the newspaper? But if you read the news. What's a newspaper? You, yeah. you notice that they're, they're, get, they're grabbing one or two of these people every single day. And I'm sure if you go down to the FBI, they got a wall. They got a wall of people that, are, that they, they're going to be picking up. All these people that they think they got away with it. Um, uh, Have you heard about the newest conspiracy theory? That I, I read it online today. That all uh, the firework issues are being provided by Antifa. That Antifa, like they did the, the pallets of bricks for the riots, are being like truckloads are supposedly being brought in to certain neighborhoods, opened up and given out wholesale. And supposedly that for a July 4th, <laughs> there's supposed to be a whole thing with Antifa, you know, and masking everything through the fireworks. So how masking do I buy fireworks? fireworks. <laughs> how do I buy wholesale uh, fireworks? You know. <laughs> You know what? I, mean, I, I think we're a little bit. Listen, I don't. I don't believe it for a minute. I mean, Billy you know, Ryan. Billy I'll Ryan. Give you what, the what, what do you I'll, say? I'll give you the Antifa. I said I, I'll give you the Antifa with the bricks, but I mean, uh, in terms of fireworks, I mean, listen. You know, when wasn't there a lot of fireworks right before the Fourth of July? I mean, I think now, like guns, they see there's less cops coming out, less enforcement, so it's coming out more. But I mean, is it really radically more? I mean, you know, I, I think we're kind of, you know, we're getting a little oversensitive about it. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I just see that this fireworks all the time. And I mean, I hey, think once the holiday's over, you, you know, we could later, it's going to be gone. Hey, Billy, you live in the Bronx. The other night, right? I do. I, 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 uh, I heard some fireworks outside, right? And it was incredibly loud, like just like boom, boom, like really, really loud. I knew it was fireworks, but I so I just decided to to peek my head out, and I looked, and I could see I could see them blowing off about a mile away. Whatever the fuck this guy was shooting, <laughs> I mean, it looked nice, it was colorful, but it was making a lot. It was powerful. And I thought the guy was next door. I thought it was my neighbor doing it. And the guy was a mile away, at least. Well, you know, we've never had fireworks like this. I never recall fireworks this much. Oh, bro. Go, go to, go to Howard Beach. The old That's days, because man. your parents never loved you, Scott. <laughs> no, I used to make my trips out of Chinatown as a kid. The police aren't going to enforce fireworks anymore because it's a small offense. And they, the, the city won't back them. The politicians won't back them, you know? So they're not going to enforce it. That's the bottom line. There's going to be a lot of these guys. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of, this <laughs> year, 4th of July. 
You're talking about Antifa coming. There's going to be a lot of these guys. Yeah, human Euro. Human Euro and the Giants, right? He lost his, uh, we, we can only hope. We can only hope. But you know, it wasn't put together. When you were growing up, we all grew up in this city. Or When you were growing up, wasn't there always one guy? He already had like 10 beers in him. He had one beer. He had an M80 over here, a cigarette. And he was all fucking lighting it. Sticking <laughs> yep. it in mailboxes. Yeah, there was always someone. There's always, there was always one someone. guy, man, with a fucking half a lit cigarette and an M80 in each finger. There's uh, no reason not to have yeah, a week later, he's called Lefty. But you notice the task force for the fireworks I think a lot of it, you know, a lot wasn't of done today, you know? until the people wait, wait, wait. on the Upper East Side started complaining about the noise. Then the task force was, was you know, put together. Yeah. For the fireworks, and they made a bunch of seizures. How hard is it to make a fireworks seizure? Really? Go down to Chinatown, walk around. Go down Little Italy and walk around. You can make a fireworks seizure. It's not hard, believe me. We used to be in court and go to eat, and and guys would attack us in court, coming out of court, you know, to buy this, buy that. I mean, it's always been there, yeah. but I've never seen, and I've never heard it the way it is now. In my opinion, in my whole life. Even when I was a kid, it was like this. You know, one of the things I wanted to touch upon, too, something just came out from the city council and more or less touches upon the rules of engagement. And I couldn't believe what I was reading. They were saying they don't want cops to put their knee in the back of a perp while he's getting cuffed. And then all these other prohibitions. But And, and actually making the cop criminal, making it a criminal act if the cop does that. I mean, who would ever want to make an arrest? I was trained to put my knee in the perp's back in order to get him cuffed. And if a perp is fighting you, how do you make rules of engagement where you're fighting for your life and they're telling you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't. I'd like to have the city council go out and wrestle some of these jailhouse jacks that just got out, you know? Well, we, we were also trained in the academy. We were trained to use chokeholds. Right. And what were you drilled? It was always drilled into you. Follow your training. Fall back on your training. Fall back on your training. Now, they passed the laws, but they did it before they retrained everybody. The entire department, from Monaghan, four-star chief department, down to the rookie, has to be now retrained in physical force. Yeah. Physically retrained. How, how else can you do it? But how do you make it criminal for a certain techniques that he was taught to get a criminal handcuff? How do you make the cop criminal? Exactly. How? How? That's you know what they'll look, look and our mayor. How? And the city council. That's no, what they want look, look when you had things with the Pantaleo uh, matter and uh, in Staten Island, you know, where they had the CO of, uh, you know, Firearms and tactics, or whoever it was, you know, pe people who are, 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 you know, the trainers in this, getting up and they're saying, you know, this is a chokehold and that's not a chokehold. So, I mean, if if guys who are wearing our uniform are saying that, and I'm not saying I agree with them, but if they're getting up and saying that, how can the public turn around and go, well, you know, another cop is saying that, the guy that's doing the training, he's saying it's a chokehold or he's saying it's an illegal move or, or whatever. And I, I think, you know, we, we, we hurt ourselves. And I think, you know, no matter how much you train, here's something I've always wondered my, my entire career. You know, every year we have to go back twice and, and go back to the range and qualify with our firearms. 
but we never have to go back for any kind of training with batons, cuffing techniques, uh, you know, any kind of non-lethal things. I mean, that's it. Once you walk out of the academy, whatever you took with you, that's all you're keeping with you. You know, you, you, you were told to practice with your gun and be ready for it. But I mean, you know, your baton, your cuffing techniques, any kind of non-lethal force, you know, why, why aren't we brought up in that? Why is it? I mean, you're, you're more likely to grab a guy and, and, and wrestle with them than you are going to shoot him. I mean, the majority of this, you know, I think it's less than a percent of cops ever fire their guns. But most cops, at least the, 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 the good ones, were out there cuffing people and grabbing them. And, you know, is it something you can just fix with training? I mean, training costs money. And they don't want to bring you in for training because those are days or weeks or months you're off the street. So they joke you know, about the way they talk about training. Okay, but, but what does the lawsuit they cost? Don't pay for it. Well, that's another thing about private. Okay, Bill, but what is course, there's no lawsuits. Well, I, no, I agree lawsuits. with Bill. I agree with Bill Totem on this. Just it's the same thing when they talked about the suicide and, and how to you know give counseling. You go to the range mm -hmm. twice a year. Why can't you go see a shrink twice a year? You know? I well, mean, really. It, it takes a stick Scott, you bring up a good point, but Billy Ryan wasn't done with his... Um, what were you finishing up saying, Billy? Well, I'm just saying, you know, to, to, to Bill's point, you know, yes, training's expensive. I get that. But you know what? What are lawsuits costing you? What is the perception of the department by all the communities? You know, I mean, it's, you know... When, you, when you're selling things, one of the things I was taught when I was a salesman years ago is it's not what it costs, it's what it's worth. You tell me what, what, what things like that being fixed or, or, or having being lessened would be worth, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think training comes in cheap with that. I, I think you could stand up in front of the city council and argue that you'd want money for training before you turn around and say, hey, you know, uh, we had this many lawsuits this year. I, I agree and, with you, Billy, Billy Ryan, I agree with you, but you know, here's the problem, okay? We have failed to make adjustments. We're policing prehistorically. Once this thing got developed, the camera. Absolutely. Should have been a complete different way of starting to go about policing and training. We have so many non-lethal weapons out there. I see that bolo advertisement every single day. The thing that wraps around your legs, wraps around your uh, uh, torso. But won't, listen, but wait, but won't wrap around your neck. And my point is this, all these non-lethal weapons are out there, but the problem is they don't want to implement them because they don't want the police to ever have the upper, upper hand anymore. That's my conspiracy theory, because the reality is, why wouldn't you use them? Why, wouldn't you, why aren't we using stun guns right now instead of freaking rounds where you could stun somebody, make them incapable of fucking moving, then you can cuff them, and that's it. The technology's out there. It's prehistoric. They don't work all the time. They're not. They're not hundred percent. They don't always work. Oh really? Well, does the gun well, work hundred percent of the time? Mark, Mark, you know, pepper spray and mace only works on cops. Forget about pepper spray and mace. I'm talking about non-lethal weapons that are the more effective. Well, even the tasers. Remember when the tasers There's came out? Tasers the had there. them on. There's now much better tasers. There's stun guns. You should have a gun right now that can either shoot around or stun somebody. I'm talking, we are prehistoric right now. Once they started filming everything and it was a hands-off thing, we never, ever made adjustments, ever. You're correct. 
Look how long it took this department to go to nine millimeters. Look how long it took. And we were one of the last departments in the country fight. to go to nine. You hired people that can't fight. You know, you took, there used to be a height requirement. Um, there was a lot of, uh, you know, they just a whole bunch of physical tests that needed to be passed. And then all that stuff went through the wayside. So you have people that can't defend themselves physically and you took away all their weapons and the only thing they have left is the gun. Yeah, but so, you know, and I also think that society expects too much of their police. I really do. They want you to be absolutely. A yeah, I agree. I agree. They I agree to, too. Be able to deliver babies. They want you to be able to psychoanalyze someone, tell if someone's an EDP or drunk. You know, a normal human Look, being isn't Superman. You know, every hundred hats of Officer Jones. Remember that book? Every, listen, every single video that I watch, whether it's a Karen or it's um somebody getting assaulted during one of these protests, they always say the same thing. I'm going to call the cops. Stop. Do you want me to call the police? It's so in people's ingrained in people's mind. Even when Antifa's getting beat up, they say, call the cops. You understand what I'm saying? I do. They, I, I, I have a video where the guy's in Antifa, he's getting beat up and he's telling his friends to call the police. <laughs> well, there's one, there's one video where the guy's actually holding on to the cop, he's hiding behind the cop, holding, begging him for help because they were beating him down. <laughs> and I thought that was That's hysterical. Mommy, 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 Very me. ironic. And then you have people actually going to court to defund the police using police as security. Politicians. But you know what? I mean, I'm sure you've done this. I mean, I, I won't out the celebrities, but I've done a lot of bodyguard work for famous people and rich people and I got to tell you, a lot of them are these big anti-gun guys. And I'm like, yeah, because you've got me and three other guys all walking around with nine millimeters and no martial arts, yeah. you know? So are you really, you know, uh, kind of a hypocrite, you know? Uh, well, yeah, you absolutely. live in a gated community. Guards on they're, it, you all, know? they're all hypocrites. They're all hypocrites because at the end of the day, these people that can afford their own security, they're going to get it. They're not going to, they're not going to sleep at night in a million dollar apartment and hear the windows breaking below them in the commercial built, uh, uh, establishments, wondering, are they gonna run right past my doorman and up to, uh, up to my apartment and kill me and rape me? They're not gonna put up with that shit. You know, they created that, um, what's it called? The uh, congestion pricing zone in Manhattan. That was supposed to come out uh, but I don't know. It's probably gonna, Coming soon. Twenty-one. It's supposed to come out. Well, but it, it may be pushed uh, back now with all this shit. But um, that was the first zone in New York City that was going to be like a residential zone because at some point the people that lived in that zone would be able to. Um, they weren't going to have to pay to drive their car out of that zone and in that zone. So now we create. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Have gated communities. I mean, you know, Mar Mar uh, you know, Scott, you know, in Brooklyn, you've got the uh, Seagate up in Coney Island. I mean, that's the gated community part and of Brooklyn. It's got their its own, own police force. And, I mean, police department. They have a Seagate police. Yeah, and I mean, they do. And I mean, I, I think, you know, to Mark's point, you, I think you're going to start seeing that. But, you know, as cops, we'll understand jurisdiction. You know, I can't go into Europe, you can't go into mine, but you know, who's going to start letting security guards, you know, um, you know, when this crime is being committed, the DA is going to go with this. Um, well, I think it's going to you know, go like uh, this. How, how neutral? Billy, this is how it's going to go. 
the, if you ever, I, I was uh, in the two six. Let me hear squad. it. I was in the two six squad. Um, you had Columbia University. You know, their head of security was run by a retired first grader, great guy. He used to give me a case. It was everything, everything in there except the body. It was all the sixty ones, all the photos, where he's at, and, and it was the whole thing. And you see, so within a city, within a precinct, you have private security, tons of cameras. That Columbia University extends itself now well into Harbor, into Harlem, and then it's met by the Yeshiva University out of Washington Heights that also has a lot of housing and their own private security. And that's what I'm talking about. These neighborhoods, one by one, are going to have their own private security within so if you make a collar as a security you're going to give it to the nypd but you're basically going to be the ones responsible for patrolling in those areas but there are also private developments like starrett city or up in uh, co-op city that their security have peace officer status a lot of them are armed and they can make arrests on duty yeah yeah it's all gonna be like i that. think that's the trend that's going to be the trend because of what's going to have happen. the money to give away. They want to have the money to give away. And these municipalities, they weigh heavy on the budget. Well, how, how about this, Mark? Now, when all these things happen, who's going to be the ones giving out the contracts? Is it going to be contracts we bid on? Like, I, I have a PI shop. We do security work. Can I go bid on that contract? Or is it the individual guys going to hire it? I mean, you know, I is it going to go to the be, lowest? I think it's going to be communities. Yeah. They're, going to, they're going to form communities, zones, areas. And they're going to uh, decide that we're going to chip in uh, all the residents and homeowners here. We're going to chip in a certain amount of money, be it $25 a month so we can hire our own security. And they can go from 96th Street to 42nd Street on the east side and on the west side. And they'll hire their own securities. And that's, uh, that's I think that's the, the future, what's going to happen. You know something, the crown jewels of Manhattan, the Lincoln Centers, uh, the theater district, It'll, those will always be protected. But how about the millennial who, because it's been so safe, moved to Flatbush, moved to do a die bed sty, moved to neighborhoods where he, he did, didn't used to be able to live in, but because it was so safe, moved there. Now is he, are these comics that we know, are they going to be taking the train at 2 o'clock in the morning now? I don't think so anymore. Because that's the transients anyway. Tr those people are transients, and I and I, you know, what when those people start spouting up, and I don't think you should be able to vote unless you've got a vested interest in that neighborhood. You own property. You've been there for more than five years. You got a child that you're raising in a neighborhood because they come there and they fucking overturn everything and they bitch about everything. And the reality is, they're going to be gone in fucking two years anyway. But let's get back to what happens <laughs> to the, the Scott, population. Where do you Scott, where do you want to go, Scott? No, no, I, I'm just wondering. It's what you're saying is is very true and possible. But then again, what happens to the population, for instance, of public housing in this city? The I'm majority of the which cops, the city in, cops, the city no, cops. But I'm just saying, the majority of it in charge in, of of patrolling the the poor people. Well, that's, well exactly. That's the irony of it all. But the poor people don't want. The cops there. But nobody's going to care at that point. No, people that live in city housing, they do want the cops. They want to be protected. I think no, they're going to have the cops. They're going to have the cops. I think it's the bad guys that don't want the cops around. I mean, I remember even with, with Comstock. Absolutely. 
someone would try to come back to the projects after doing five years and they'd be like, no, you're not coming back here. You're a convicted felon. I don't think it worked. They tried to keep them out of the housing projects, but I don't think it worked. But now everyone's welcome. You know, Bill, I, you know, I'm just worried that, you know, with all this going on, you know, we're, we're you know, we're the sheepdogs and we're leaving the sheep to, to the wolves out there. I mean, especially in these poorer communities where, you know, you've got a lot of predator guys going out there, gangs and, and drug dealers. And I mean, you know, these are the people that, that, that want you there. You know, they're the ones that are going out saying, hey, we want the police here. They're the ones being victimized. And, you know, we need to he hear the voices in the community who, who feel like that supporting us because right now this is the time. But I mean, you know, it, it yeah, just, but I don't think you get, you're, you're you know, not hearing it, not one voice out of them, but you don't hear one up. voice. But yeah, see, well, again, I, we I, I used to have a it. saying that bullets had no eyes. And and you see, like today, or, was it, uh, or last night, actually, 17-year-old honor student in the Bronx is going to St. John's, just graduated high school two weeks ago. Straight A mm -hmm. kid, dead. I mean, a little girl shot, in, you know, in East Harlem the other night. I mean, it, it's, too. a bullet has no eyes. It goes where it goes. And it's it's out of control when little children are getting hit and, and innocents are getting hit. You know, I mean, really, we, we all dealt with what we used to call misdemeanor homicides. Come on, let's, let's face facts. But now it's, it's so out of control, it's turning into Chicago. We're going to have weekends yeah. with 40, 50 shootings. Yeah, but, you know, and bodies but, dropping but like flies. I, I got to ask you, if this is all going on, then how do you announce a $1 billion cut to the police department while all these shootings are going on? Like, how do you announce that? Like, that's that's the problem. And it's all, tomorrow it's going to be done. It's going to be done tomorrow. By like, so you have to, in my head, I'm like, okay, so what is the freaking thought behind this? Because oh, you can't be telling people why you... After what occurred in the 3-2, all right, early Saturday morning, I'm sure you saw the video of that disgusting, obscene behavior that went on. And the it wasn't no protest. The cops responded to a valid shots fired job. They recovered casings. They were, they was lead. They, and the crowd just turned on them, and they had a retreat. Okay? And again... Did de Blasio say anything about it the next morning? No. The next morning, he was penning the gutter in front of Brooklyn Borough Hall yeah. with yellow paint, BLM. Yeah. I mean, really? You're worried about budget cuts? Stop spending money on yellow paint. The cops are up. Remember, he's term, he's term limited out, so he doesn't have to worry about getting reelected. He's done. Exactly. Exactly. But you know something? We had Louis Anamone, Chief Louis Anamone, the greatest chief of the department probably in the history of this job. He was on it. Absolutely. No and we asked, that was when the cops were getting the water poured over them. And we said, Chief, is this a national war on police? And he said, absolutely. I've never seen anything like this. That was in November. So look what's happened since then. It, well, he's a smart it, man, and, and he could see the writing on the wall. Yep. And, well, and our mayor is globalization it's stuff. It's got to be open borders. You got to get rid of ICE. You got to get rid of the police. You got to, that's, that's what open border, that's what globalization is. I mean, if you think about it, how can you go to Mars and then have it, but, but with no papers? And then, but you got to, in, in order to get into the United States, you got to have a passport, a visa, <laughs> a leave date. I mean, <laughs> that's the idea here. It's, it's, it's all about globalization. 
It's about um, getting rid of our boundaries and our territories and, and being, people being able to float around and go wherever they want. You know, the COVID didn't help, but that's the, that's the goal, I would imagine. I don't know. I don't know either what the answer to that is. See this city go to pot. And I, I don't mean that literally. I just mean to go to shit. We work too hard. And it really saddens me to see what's happening now. And really you know what? Did you see that couple that was in front of their house with the, the guy with the foot? I don't know what that, I don't, I don't even know what these guns are. It looked like an AK-4. Yeah, yeah, an AK-15 and the wife had a pistol and they were just peaceful protesters. I like, I like the way she was holding the gun. She was like this. Yeah. <laughs> sure I saw it. that today. She didn't go to the range. <laughs> <laughs> she was watching gangster movies. Because there wasn't any money in the budget for it. And, and you know what? The other day. Something right now, if there's anything that's good about it, it's people like they're gonna have to fucking learn how to negotiate shit on themselves. Because if your dog shit in my yard, I'm calling the cops. I'm not even knocking on your door. That's the kind of world we lived in at some point. And the reality is, you got to fucking talk to people. You got to negotiate. Well, and, and that goes back. Now goes back to cops learning to talk to people. And where did you learn that skill? You learned that skill. From the old timers, and you learned that skill from being an anti-crime. I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to say role playing with the cowboy outfit on. No, 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 no. You were wrong. But again, the chaps. So in all seriousness, <laughs> cops, they, they don't realize that the best weapon they have is their mouth. They don't realize that. That you know, forget de-escalation. Okay, you just have the gun. Is you? Come on, we've all faced guys that'll take that. They'll tell you. I'll take that gun and shove it up your ass, and I'll wait for the sergeant to come and lock me up because they like jail. Okay, there. Are, I mean, there are guys pull a gun on them, and they'll tell you, "God, what are you gonna do?" That's why you know you have to learn to talk to people. You have to learn to schmooze. You have to learn to you know listen. That's what we were taught as negotiators. You had to be active listeners. You had to listen to what people yeah. were saying, what their complaints were, what their problems were, the issues. So you could get them out of the situation they were in. What'd you say, Scott? What, I said, as negotiators, <laughs> all right, keep it up. <laughs> you gotta you be know, that. That. You know that you're playing the ass, but I love you. <laughs> you gotta be active listeners. <laughs> you know who's the king of that? Mark, the king of being able to do that. Pete Pranzo, who was on here before, uh, yeah. just, just a tremendous tenant, but he, he used to have a he would go up to these guys in the street with us and uh, his line was, they're a good kid, I like them. Come on, we'll all go back to the precinct. And we'd have these tough guys and he would just charm them out. And, you know, there was there really wasn't the need for uh, for being able to get, I mean, listen, I'm not saying we never had to scrap with guys, but I mean, when you had somebody like that showing you the way, and I mean, I, to this day, you know, I, I carried it with me forever. You know, he's a good kid, I like him. And uh, thank you, Pete, I'm sure you're watching. And, uh, well, Tom I, Raiders, go I buy wanna... his book give a little but, shout out uh, to Pete as well because I grew up in great guy. and Pete and and Esposito who turned out to be what he turned out to be unfortunately partners and I can't tell you how many times they got me they took me home and put a boot in my butt and that's one of the reasons I became a cop was because of Pranzo and you know Louis Epolito I mean Unfortunately, and unfortunately, yeah, I believe but I, I owe my career to Pranza, ironically. And, 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 and why? It's good. Yeah, just so you know, you leave yourself wide open for jokes. 
That boot in the butt one, I had one going. I, I let you finish your sentence, but that was an easy one. Um, I got broad shoulders, bro. I can take it. So listen, we, we've we've reached the hour mark, um, and uh, this is where we give our closing thoughts. So uh, what do you think, Bill? Uh, who do you want to start off with? Well, I, let's start with Bill Ryan, and then we'll uh, go to Scotty. Oh, here's my closing thoughts. You know what? Today's the anniversary of uh, Lou Alvarez's first year of his death. So I just wanted to take a minute and uh, mark that. Thank you the bomb squad who succumbed to his injuries in 9-11. So I want to not let the night go without uh, honoring his sacrifice to our cause and our great city. So Lou, we love you and we miss you. And uh, his memory will continue to be a blessing. And, you know, listen, all the cops out there watching, all we, you know, there's a great expression. Sometimes there's justice. And sometimes there's just us, you know, we have to watch out for each other and protect ourselves. And, uh, you know, remember, there's a lot of good people out here that, that want us to be here. And, and, and you know, we're, we're out here like uh, Vernon Gepperth used to say, you know, we work for God. Well, you know, we, we do. We work for God. We do what we got to do. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to be a cop. I'm a son of a cop. And I think all of us, you know, are proud of what we did and, uh, I just want to say, you know, stand strong out there, guys. You know, we, we will have our comeback. You know, they'll miss us when we're gone, but we're coming back. It's just going to take a while. Yeah. Scotty? I can't agree with what he said more. Um, again, you know, being a retired detective and having a son now on the job, uh, it's difficult uh, because you know, I can't even, he comes to me with questions that I can't even really answer anymore because times have changed so drastically. I just try to tell him to learn to talk to people, learn people's skills, uh, Absolutely. and and literally uh, better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. If you have to save your life and you're in fear of your life, you do what you have to do to go home at night to you know, my daughter-in-law. That's what you have to do. But otherwise, the times are what they are, okay? And hopefully, we can only hope that someone, this someone of reason and intelligence steps in and puts an end to this before we go back to the 90s, you know, when, when we were almost close to 3,000, you know, murders a year. And we went down, you know, that was all back. We did that. We brought this back, you know? And, and you're 100% and right, Scott. It's it's such a, a bad feeling shame. to have shame. It's a you know, shame being retired and helpless and not being able to, to do anything about it and bring it back to the way, it, you know, the way it was down to 300 a year. Imagine that, you know, in one generation we did this. And now we're losing it. It's gone. We're back to 96 numbers. Back in 96. Yeah. And it's still What do you got for us, Bill Cannon? All right. I, I just want to want to say, uh, since I was a I, six and a half years in anti-crime, my heart really aches that they got rid of the best unit on the entire police department. Years ago, they got rid of street crime. Anti-crime is such an art form. And it takes a while to learn. And I was lucky... I was taught by an 11-year street crime veteran who was my sergeant. And he taught me all, well, not all of his tricks, but he taught me a lot of his tricks. And I later passed that on when I was a sergeant. I was a 
anti-crime sergeant. And I can't tell you the skill and the, and the amount of time it takes to really learn anti-crime to, to where you're good at it. And anti-crime, the, the perps fear anti-crime because they know those are the toughest Absolutely. In, the, in the precinct. But now that the city's disbanded anti-crime, the perps don't have to fear the uniform cops because the uniform cops don't have the stealthness. They don't have the time to observe and watch, see who's carrying the guns, see who's robbing people. Anti-crime was out there blending in with the community, you know? And as I said, it's, it's a real bad thing that the city got rid of uh, anti-crime and I don't think they can be replaced by anyone else. I don't agree. miss us when we're gone, buddy. In parting words, I just wanted to say thank you guys for coming on the show. Bill, for coming on Thanks for, having us. for the first time. Thank you. And I have to say, Bill, man, I'm, uh, you were a great guest. I really enjoyed everything that you had to say. Love you. I me. Thank you. I agree with you, um, especially when we talk happy about anti-crime. And uh, you're talking about uh, the fact that maybe they were pulled out of harm's way. If we're not going to prosecute, if we're not going to take these cases seriously, then why put our cops in harm's way? That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Scott, I agree with what you have to say about talking to people um, and learning that art. Unfortunately, that's that's a gift. That's a gift a lot of times that um, you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, you got to observe somebody who has it and try your best. I worked with a bunch of people who weren't the best talkers. I, I was lucky enough to, you know, not to get into too many scuffles because of the fact that I, I just knew how to let somebody know you got to go, you know, I'm, this is, you know, you know what you did. You got, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And Bill, um, I agree with you, man. The city's going to definitely suffer. Uh, and we are suffering already, but you know, back to what I was saying, I think it's, uh, I think it's already, I think it's something that's already written. I think it's something that they've wanted to push for a long time. And that's, um, minimizing, what the police department has to get involved in. They don't want the police department having to deal with the homeless anymore. They don't want the police department having to deal with um, the mentally ill anymore. They feel like they can send out social workers for both of those. Okay, fine. You wanna take that burden off your hands? Good. But you know what's gonna happen as well as I do? There's gonna be a situation that I go to and there's gonna to have to be an escort car. And then all of a sudden the guys my height, six foot four, he's naked. He's not built as well as I am. Probably doesn't smell as good as I do. And <laughs> all of a sudden, all the theories and the ideas are right out the window. So uh, we all have our own theories here, but the bottom line is we know that we all agree that now is not a really good time. And uh, we're wishing for the not best. Not at all. We're not wishing for all. the best. And uh, I appreciate you guys coming on. And we look forward to having you guys come on again for future discussions. Your opinions are valuable um, and they need to be heard. And that's why we do this show. You know, just to, plug, a pleasure. Just to plug police off the cuff, we're starting to kick ass. Yeah. We're getting 20,000 uh, viewers or listeners on Anchor per week. We're probably getting another 30, excuse me, 20,000 a month. We're probably getting another 30 or 40,000 a month on Facebook. We're also getting on YouTube. So our numbers are uh, starting to really go up. And it's all because you guys out there watching 
We send you guys send us messages how much you love the show. And we can't, I mean, we put on all the best cops, all the best ADAs, chiefs. You know, we got some of the best people that ever worked the NYPD. And we just want to thank you guys for uh, helping us with this uh, audience. Bill and I, Bill and I are going to be coming up with a, a line of merch. And we got some big uh, announcements. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have coffee cups and hats and uh, t-shirts. Uh, we're gonna uh, our coffee cups. What is it gonna say, Bill? Um, Police off the cup. Dipping butter. Dipping butter. We got a couple of big announcements coming I up. I wanted to say future. balls and dipped in butter, but he said no, 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 no. just dipped in butter. <laughs> and we got some big <laughs> announcements coming up in the future. So good things are happening. Thank you for tuning in, and. Uh, have a great night, and uh, hopefully tomorrow is going to be better than today. Good days are ahead, folks. On behalf of, uh, of Police Off the Cuff, my name is Mark DeMeo. That's my partner in law enforcement, Bill Cannon. Thank you, Billy Ryan. Thank you, Scott Wagner. Have a great you got night. It, buddy. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Good guys. night. Thanks. Thank you. Good night.